Hey now, let's do this. This is Antonio and this is episode 88 and get ready. This episode is fantastic. We're talking all about how to finish what you start. So many people have projects big and small they want to finish. This could be a book, a novel, a screenplay, a marathon, a home improvement project, do a a great job on the LSAT or the MCAT. I can give you countless examples of things that people want to finish, but they are not finishing them. They show up on their New Year's resolution list year after year, but it's just not getting done. Guess what? breaking news I have on today, Basam Tarazi. He is an expert, an expert in finishing and getting things done. He's going to tell you all about it in this fantastic interview, so get ready for that. Before we get to that conversation, I want to let you know that every single week I send out phenomenal text messages that really light people up. If you want to receive these text messages, just send me a text at 310 5647124 that number is in the show notes and hey something else i know that you will dig is the stop living on autopilot manifesto in there are 15 15 powerful lessons that can change your life if you apply them go to the show notes right now click the link give me your name and email address and i'll send it directly to you at no cost Okay, that's it. Let's get to episode 88. We're going to learn how to finish what you start. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Antonio Nev Show, where I remind you each week that no matter where you stand today, your story isn't over yet. The best is ahead. I'm your host, Antonio Nevs. I'm the author of Stop Living on Autopilot. I'm a speaker and success coach. And this week, I am so excited because we are being joined by my dear friend, Basam Tarazi. If you Google this guy, Basam Tarazi is an author, he's a strategist, he's an, an, an adventurer, but most importantly for this conversation, he's an expert when it comes to finishing stuff. And I should add, like, this is one of my homeboys. Like, we've we've done a lot of cool stuff on this planet together, so I'm happy to have him join me. Basam, welcome to the Antonio Nev Show. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. Thank you for that lovely intro. Uh, Yeah, always great to chat with Antonio Neves. Yeah, when Basama and I normally talk, if people are around, they get frustrated because we talk really loud. Like our voices just get loud. So be ready to turn down the volume on your your, uh, earphones or whatever (laughs) you're listening on. But let's get to this topic. Today, we're talking about finishing. You are an expert and finishing. And I've always been amazed by you and your capacity to to take on projects big or small and get them done, done when other people fail. So let's start with this. In your experience, what do people struggle with most when it comes to finishing stuff? I think the biggest thing, I mean, there's like three things that go off in my head, but I think the biggest thing is thinking that what they're going to finish is going to look just like it did when they started. And Mm. so I think there's a lot of discomfort that happens, you know, as you go down any project, anything you're doing creative or or work-wise. And at the end, it's like, well, this didn't look like I thought it would. And that feeling of finishing means at some point, you're going to have to tell the world, here, take a look. 
you know, and there's judgment on the other end of that. And especially when it doesn't feel or you don't think it's going to look like it did from the get go, you almost want to protect it, right? You have a caveat, you have a, here's this thing, but, 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 but. So I think we are quick to psych ourselves out when it comes to finishing and we'll always come up with an excuse of why we need to tweak, why it's not ready. And a lot of it is fear, right? It's that fear of judgment. It's that fear of what other people might think, even though they probably won't think anything, but more importantly, maybe that story that we tell ourselves that, you know, if it doesn't look like we thought it would, uh, what then? And I'll add to that, there's also for a lot of people, there's a fear of the void of if I finish, what what next? What, yeah. what is my identity now? So those are the couple things that I think pop up many, many times for, for, uh, for people. Yeah, breaking news, everyone. It is not going to look like you think it's going to look. I can tell you right now, my book stopped living on autopilot. <laughs> the book that I sold to the publisher and the finished product are, I won't say two different things, but it was different. And I think what's awesome too, is if we give ourselves permission, good things can come from it not going as we planned. And, you know, but let's talk briefly maybe about psychology for a second, because, you know, Bassam has this amazing course called Ready, Set, Finish. I'm going to put that into the, the show notes where you'll learn more about that and how he helps people finish things. You know, I think as you were talking, I was thinking about how much we focus on the end result, but how little we focus on the daily activities that will lead to the end result. I guess I like to call them what they call them lead measures and lag measures. If you're trying to lose weight, the lag measure is lose 30 pounds. But the lead measure is I'm going to work out three times a week, eat this types of meal each day, et cetera. So do people get too caught up in the end result as opposed to the daily activities that lead to that end result? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because we associate finishing with success and with success. I mean, what we really want, and I've joked, is to walk into a room and have people clap. <laughs> you know, th that's that feeling we're searching for. But it's it's hard, right? Any pro it, like there's no way around it. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no here, you know, here's the, the, the quick and easy way to make finishing easy. No, it is going to be hard. So, you know, we make a name for ourselves in the muck, in that daily grind, in that work every day. So, yeah, I think if 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 you if you hold too much of your hopes just on this grand finish, you can never start because it's 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 never going to look like that. So, you know, your day is going to be an average Wednesday, you know, not that your life is average, but what do you do on that Wednesday? How are you carving out time to work on the thing that you say is important to you? And that is it. There is no finish without focused time towards something. And that is, you know, again, if I had to dumb it down, what are you doing for 30 minutes that puts you closer to where you hope you'd be? And that's, that's uncomfortable. Let's talk about that for a quick second, because, you know, one thing you hear a lot of people say, and I've heard this so much, and it just makes me laugh whenever I hear it. If I hear the words, I'm going to wing it, or I'm just going to go with the flow inside, I'm like, oh no, you don't wing it. Don't just go with the flow. Can you talk a bit about you know, just having a plan. And I actually would like you even just to, you can talk about what it means to have a plan, a strategy, if you will. But I also would like you to peel back the layers some of your work, because what's, what's wild about you, Bassam, compared to anyone else that I know, Bassam Tarazi is the rare person that can actually tell you how much time <laughs> he spent on a project. So maybe even if you want to reference finishing, you know, your amazing course, Ready, Set, Finish that I've, that I've taken that I absolutely love, like, you know, how much time that took you. So uh, the, the plan and tracking what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it, it's almost as you were saying that I was thinking like the term winging it, I would rather tell people wing 
what you think you're going to get done. And what I mean by that is, I want to write a book. No, no, no. You think you want to write a book. So just, just wing that thing you're going to say. I'm going to publish a book. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I'm going to, I'm going to write this article. Yeah, okay. You know, it's like, great. You've said that thing out in the world. You've said this really broad thing. And that's where I think you then have to quickly detach from the broad and get into that specific. And so for me, yeah, I mean, my course, I, I forget the exact number, but it was something 300 something hours. I, 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 I think it was at the end of the day. And the course didn't look like I thought it would have from the get-go, just like you said with your book. And so winging it is not a plan, right? Going with the flow is not a plan. It could work. That can work for a day. But the problem is with the winging it is our motivations you know, you have to be crystal clear on your motivation because winging it works for the mood you're in in this moment. Yes. What happens seven to 14 to 28 days from now where you have some feedback on what you inputted or or you have some feedback from the world? Maybe something changed. Maybe you got new data that all of a sudden it changed kind of where you were. So if you don't really understand your kind of why and and what it is you're trying to to learn or discover along the way, winging it, it, I mean, it runs out of steam really quick, right? I mean, yeah, you can wing it in neutral down a hill, but as soon as the hill flattens out or you have a, you know, <laughs> you have gas, I mean, you, does the clutch work, you know, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you are not winging it going uphill. Something that always makes me laugh. And, you know, I've been speaking for a long time and I, I learned quickly traveling all across the country and world that whenever I, I, I'm at an event, and Basami, you've probably been in events where this has happened. If I've ever, if I ever hit backstage, hear a speaker, they come out on stage and they say something to the tune of, you know what? I had something planned, but I've been really inspired. So I'm just going to speak from my heart. Mm -hmm. That tells me you didn't prepare. I know from enough research and data I've collected over the years, that person didn't do the work and their excuse for not doing the work. I'm just going to speak from the heart. No, son, you didn't plan. So that's why you're going to try to fool us into saying you're going to speak from the heart. No, that's lazy. Audience, get ready. It's about to be bad. But were you going to say something? Yeah, I just want to add on that because I think it's a good point. I think someone could look at look at something like improv, be like, well, hey, they're just winging it. And it's like, no, they've done the prep, right? They, they, they know what the work is that puts themselves in that situation that allows them to ad lib, that allows them to riff. And so for Antonio or myself or whomever it, who, who is going on stage, it, you could have your whole plan put together. And then if you want to adjust, right? If you want to make a tweak on the fly, it doesn't mean that you're winging it. It's like, hey, I've put in all the work, but I see maybe this, this story that I'd like to expound on or, or, to, or to add to. But it wasn't just that you didn't prepare. And I think that's the difference. Like you could still prepare and then still improv a little bit. But if you think that you're just going to go up there and again, we, we bring up that we, we bring back this term winging it. It's just not going to last. It's just not going to last. Yeah. You got a first down on third and 22 because you just, <laughs> you got lucky, but that, that process isn't going to work every time. It is not going to work every time. Yeah. You might get lucky every now and then. I'm glad you said that because it's the saying I always like to say is winging it is easy when you're well-prepared. Absolutely. Uh, I go to, you know, I, I give keynotes, these hour long keynotes. And technically, many of the keynotes that I deliver is the exact same keynote. However, if you see me three times in a row, three days in a row doing the, the quote unquote same keynote, it's going to feel like three completely different keynotes because I am adjusting on the fly based on the audience, based on the mood, 
based on what the speaker said before me. I'm going to remove this around. I'm going to adjust. You know what? I'm confident enough that I can go off on this tangent and I can come back and you know land the plane, if you will, right. because right. I've done the work. And so few people can do and, that. So go and, ahead. And, and, and I'd add to that, you have put in the work and you've earned the right and you've built the confidence in your ability to speak that gives you that wiggle room. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you have put, you have finished preparing. You have finished the, the rehearsal. You have finished talks before. So that again, that gives you the width because you have that confidence in yourself and you know what you're doing and, and where you are. So I think that's something that, that folks miss too is that putting in the work and that practice and getting good at something. You know, yes, you, you build that confidence that allows you to then turn a little bit when you need to turn, but you have to build up that muscle. Absolutely. And you, you won't find out what you're made of until something breaks. You know, Absolutely. I'm just thinking about, I, I truly didn't become a professional speaker, Bassam, until I realized back in the days when I used to use um, PowerPoint presentations, the day that that PowerPoint presentation, that, that projector broke in small town Kansas, yeah. early in my speaking career, I realized I was not a professional speaker yet hmm. because I struggled for the next hour. Now I very rarely use PowerPoints, but if it breaks... I'm good to go. I can still get through it. As as I like to say, you won't find out what you're capable of until you have to find out what you are capable of. But hey, I want to go here on, on the subject when it comes to finishing, because you've always said something to me that blows me away. Basam, by the way, has an amazing blog. So make sure you go catch check out, hit the archives of his blog, sign up, sign up for his newsletter. These are Basam and I are very similar in that we're not dudes that that pat you on the back and say, good job. We're, we're going to challenge you. You know, we're, we're the coaches that definitely push you in, in a really, really good way. So I, that's why I think, you know, as listeners, you're going to love his blog. But Basam, you said many times over the years, do less than you're capable of. What do you mean by that? I think it's, you know, when we catch this wave of inspiration or we, you know, a New Year's resolution, what whatever it is, we think, okay, now's the time. Now I'm in. I finally convinced myself. I hate to tell you, but you're wrong, right? That it, it, inspiration is not action. And it's really in in the work that you find out if that inspiration is true. And so what happens is with a lot of people is, you know, let's call it a New Year's resolution. I'm going to I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. I'm going to write two hours a day. The problem is when we set that that mark for ourselves, we think, well, that's going to be easy, right? I'm an adult. I, I, this is what I'm committing to. And when we don't do it, when we can't reach that, we think we're a failure, right? If I can't do it five days a week, then it didn't work. If I can't write for two hours a day, then man, what am I doing? I suck. So what I tell people is, is the whole goal isn't to be great one day or for three days in a row, you got to put in an average amount of work 30 days in a row because that the result of that will be something great. So what I'm trying to tell people is be nice to yourself. Be kind to yourself. You're doing something new. Try working out one day a week. Try writing for 30 minutes a day and let's see what happens because to the point I made earlier, you have to build up the confidence. Before you, before you can become a writer, you have to become the kind of person who could be a writer, right? Before you could write a book, you have to become the kind of person who could write a book. And that person who could write a book is someone who writes for an hour a day or 30 minutes a day. So, so much of it is building up the confidence in ourselves to prove to ourselves that we can get through this because inevitably, as you and I both said, something will come that you didn't prepare for and it won't look like, like you thought it would. And it's going to be a gut punch. And so if you are trying to just do these haymakers every day, you won't have the energy or the foundation to be like, okay, hold on, I can get through this. So I tell people all the time, do less than you're capable of. I, My goal, Antonio, me and my life, 
I try to write for 60 minutes a day. That's it. Six, zero. It sounds, what? That's it? But I'm telling you, you put in 30 hours a month focused writing or focused work, you'd be shocked at what's on the other end of that. Yeah. Right now I'm hearing people, uh, they're probably like, oh man, I've been making up a lot of excuses. Oh, I don't have time. I'm busy. Guess what? You have 30 minutes. Like we, we fool ourselves into thinking we have to block off three hours, four hours to, to write all day. I mean, I see people on social media sometimes like, I'm going to write all day. No, you're not. No, you're not. When I was writing my book, I couldn't. I had kids. I had responsibilities. I got it in where I could on planes and cafes when I was uh, traveling, when I was in libraries, like these, these powerful 30 minutes, sometimes two hour moments when I, when I had the opportunity to do it, but rarely was it a full day. And if I did, was able to rock a full day, that writing very rarely was, was any good at all. So I, 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 I want to add to that. I think where we go wrong is we think that when we sit down to create, we think we are manifesting what we already think, but that's incorrect. We are only discovering. And so I think where people, the, the self-sabotage they have in their head, or they, the excuses they give is really what they're uncomfortable with is sitting down and being uncomfortable with the fact that what they thought they wanted to write or do or create isn't actually what's coming out of them. And they, again, turn that and they judge themselves. But I'm like, no, that's a win. You don't actually know what you're going to create until you write it down. You aren't sure what that idea is until you write it down. Your brain is a dream. But when you have to put subject and verb agreement where you where you have to make something make sense, it's difficult. And so that's what I want people to get comfortable with is that you that first hour, even two or three, is just you discovering. You're not even sure. So just give yourself permission to freely create and do not judge that. And I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong. Yeah. I mean, day one versus day seven versus day 14 versus day 30, the momentum you can build in just 30 minutes a day, you, you could be in a drastically different place. And what's even more fun going back to, you know, not knowing what the finished product project is going to look like, you know, when you're writing, especially creative writing, man, you know, these amazing wild things come out of nowhere. You didn't even know existed, mm. but that only shows up when you show up every single day. And that's why consistency is so important. And I know you'll have something to add to this. I have to remind people all the time, whether you're writing a book, whether you're preparing for a keynote, uh, we can go through preparing for the LSAT, who knows? It's not sexy. It's not glamorous mm -hmm. at all. And I think people think that writing a book, doing these things are sexy and glamorous. It's not at all. And then you have other folks who... You'll, you'll laugh at this. So many people wait and they are, I'm just going to wait till I'm inspired. Well, you're going to be waiting an awful damn long time until you're inspired. It's not going to be that good, right? Absolutely. I, I think I think it goes back to what I was saying before is that we, we use the term I'm going to wait till I'm expired as a cocoon, right? As this shield. That, that's what we mean by it. What we mean by it is, oh, once I'm inspired, then all these doubts will go away. I'll be protected by them. But no, inspiration is ephemeral. I mean, it disappears. It's like lightning, right? It's like, it just, it's here and then it's gone. And then you're just stuck in the rain after that. And, and, and the problem is, is that when you wait for inspiration, it's, you know, it's not real. Yeah, it might get you started. You might have this jolt. I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but I don't care what you do today. I care. Are you still doing that five days from now, 10 days from now, 20 days from now? And the only way to, to, to know that is to do it. And I think, like you said, day 20, your project will look way different and you are going to learn and discover things you couldn't even have imagined on day one. It's like us trying to trying to solve a maze from the outside. Yeah. Oh, should I go through door number one? Oh, I can kind of see there's this left turn. And then I'm sure. It no, you have no idea until you walk into the maze. And so 
trying to get people to walk into that maze. You are going to feel lost at times. It's going to be confusing, but but you're going to learn something by by walking those halls on your own. Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna bring up something I didn't even plan. I'm a, you know, had a few bullet points. When you and I talk, I don't need bullet points, but I want to be kind of a professional since so many <laughs> people listen to this. But something I didn't even think about right now, we're putting all of our energy and tension on the finished project. So that finished project could be the home improvement project. It could be a book, screenplay. It could be the, the marathon you end up running in, all these different things that you plan for that you want to finish. But let me tell you something else. Who you are as an individual changes as well. Forget the screenplay, forget the book, forget really? the marathon. You, the confidence that you build internally. I'm just thinking about, and I love that people who know how to fight. Have you ever noticed they never get in fights because like they don't need to. They're so confident when they're at the bar, like other people pick up on. I'm not going to mess with that dude. I'm not going to mess with that woman. And so I'm curious for you. I have so many finished projects on my hard drive, but sound that the world will never see. Screenplays, books, book proposals, et cetera. Can you talk about all the finished projects you have on your hard drive, notebooks that the world will never see, but how they still have provided value for you? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think about it as, you know, the, the paintings you'll never see that, that a painter made or the, or the kind of the drafts that were under the, the finished draft or the sculptor, everything that's on the ground after the sculpt, you know, after the sculptor finishes. Finishing is a skill and it is a practice. And so I, I think for me, what I enjoy, I enjoy that middle ground where I kind of had this idea. I'm not sure where it's going to go. And I just got to get to that finish line. And to me, there's joy in that. And there's no judgment. I've tried to strip judgment away. So I have stories. I have screenplays. I have short stories where, yeah, they might see the, the, the light of day eventually. But for me, it was about getting better at a craft, which was writing and creating. And it was, it was proving to myself that I could get to the words, the end, and that I could, I could then let it go and see what that feels like as it's off my shoulder. What's going to fill my, my, my story next. And so I try to tell a lot of people, people are always trying to climb the mountain or go upwards or get to the top. And, and my analogy is no, it is only onwards. We are only trekking on undulating hills forward and we discover new things as we go. There is no there, there is no top. So I think I just find joy in even those micro finishes, uh, putting together a 30 minute session or a 60 minute session. For me, honestly, I just feel better. It is almost for me, it's like a stress relief to just put in that creative time. And that gives me that confidence to do it again the next day. 100%. By the way, you're being mad poetic. I'm about to Google undulating just to see <laughs> what that means. Rolling hills, <laughs> rolling hills. <laughs> I'm a firm believer that a lot of people aren't sleeping great at night, not because they're not physically tired but because they haven't put in that 30 minutes that you're talking about towards something that matters to them, that's been in the back of their brain for the longest time, that's been in a hard drive, that's been in a notebook, that's been just that faucet that's been linking in their house for way too long, that if they make a search a YouTube video, they'll be able to fix it immediately. The reason why we're not getting the sleep that we truly deserve in that inner calm is because we're not finishing stuff. Now, as you were talking about trekking and undulating, you know, and the the the, the magic of the muck, I'm going to make that term up, the magic of the muck. I, I became a different person writing my book. You know, as I mentioned, Bassam's an adventurer. This guy has been to over what, 70, 80 countries in your lifetime? Uh, yeah, something like 70 something. 70. So as you're talking about being in the muck, it made me think about something, a story you told about when you're doing uh, scaling Everest, getting to Everest, Mount Everest, y'all. Not, I'm not talking about some place in Cleveland. I'm talking about Mount Everest base camp. You made it there. But can you talk about when you're going that high up on mountains, how when you get to higher altitudes, I remember when you told me you have to actually have to go up, then come back down. Right. <laughs> What's that all right. about? 
So you have to acclimate. So basically your brain, it doesn't do well uh, with, with less oxygen. The higher you go, there's less, uh, there's less oxygen there. So you have to acclimatize. And what that means is, so let's say you are hiking from 13,000 feet to 15,000 feet. When you get to that 15,000 foot spot, all you want to do is lay down. You want to set up your tent and lay down. And the guides would be like, no, 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 put your stuff down, but we got to climb 300 more feet. And what it does is you got to go up a little bit and then come back down. What it does is it allows your brain to kind of see and experience and sense what it feels at that higher elevation so that it feels better as you come back down. And there were, there were rest days. There were rest days where we stopped and we just acclimatized. We would go up and then come back down. And it is letting your body catch up in essence. And so, I mean, it is a, it, it's an apropos metaphor for just creating is because as we go down this route of creating, it is getting to our higher altitude. We haven't been there before. We don't know what we're going to feel. So at times we just need to, you know, take that breath and realize we're acclimatizing and it's just 30 minutes today. So it's that, it's that inch by inch It's that you can't just, you can't just keep going, right? You got to sit in that muck. You got to take a breath and sometimes inch, inch forward and inch back so that eventually you can get a little bit higher. Yeah. That is where, in my experience, that's where the magic happens. That's when we become a brand new person. That's when we, we, we earn it. That's when that's, that's something that no one can ever take away from you probably because they can't, they don't even understand just a couple more questions for you. But one thing I want to talk about, I'd be, uh, it'd be silly for me not to mention the word accountability with Bassam Tarazi, who wrote the excellent book, the accountability effect. Again, all these links will be in the show notes when it comes to finishing. I know so many of us are so good at isolating. You know, we love doing things alone. And when things get tough, I know society, we're also really good at isolating even further. Can, can you talk about the importance of having some type of accountability mechanism in your life? I'm biased. Uh, I think having a coach is exceptional. I think being part of a group coaching program is amazing. I like spending money. I like writing checks because guess what? When you buy that course, it makes a difference. When you ha- when you work with a trainer or take a class, it makes a difference. So could you talk about the benefits of having some type of accountability mechanism in place to help you finish? Yeah, I, uh, absolutely. I mean, accountability at the end of the day is everything. And I think I've been very lucky. I have some innate drive and I practice a lot in my life that I can be quote unquote accountable to myself, right? It's these little things I've put in my life. However, it is very, very hard to do it alone all the time. And I think for for a lot of people, there is comfort in like it. Well, A, if you're working with a coach and you're paying them, right? You're making that commitment. You're making that that financial commitment. And for at least a little bit of time, you have somebody else care. It feels good to have somebody like chip in and chime in. And so what I try to tell people to do is, you know, find peers, find uh, people around you, find people who are doing similar things to you, like you, that you can give them feedback. They can give you feedback because, you know, we like to be accepted. We want to be part of a group. The number one thing we want at the end of the day is the respect of our peers, whoever they, they may be. And so when we're on the hook for something, when we have to show up, if someone is meeting us at, 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 at XYZ time, or if someone is giving us a draft of what they've done, on Friday, and we're supposed to give them a draft of what we've done. We, of course, want to give them our draft because you don't want to let them down. We don't want to waste their time. And so it shouldn't feel like a pressure of bringing somebody else in into your kind of accountability circle. But I think if you are someone who is constantly saying, oh, one day I'm going to do this or one day I'm going to do that one day, I think a lot of a lot of times you're not sure what your motivation is. 
you're putting too much pressure. You're putting too much pressure on this one thing. You are judging yourself for what might happen if this thing doesn't finish. There's all that weight there. And what I want you to do, and what Antonio is also saying, is who can I introduce into my circle that can add as a catalyst, that can add as a little bit of that bounce, right, of that ping and that pong, and that's really, you know, why injecting accountability into something is immeasurable. I wrote the accountability effect in a 30-day sprint because it was this this group goal-setting accountability thing that I did for 30 days. We met once uh, every week and I had given myself the excuse, oh, one day I'll write it. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And I said, no, I'm going to lean in. And I had to show up every week to review something because somebody else was too. And that magic is incredible because you are both being vulnerable. And I think that's where that magic of accountability works. It's really hard to be accountable to someone if they also don't have any skin in the game, that's sometimes hard. And I, I know I know that's hard for folks. So whether it's spouses or friends, you know, if they're just kind of sitting on their butts and you're asking them to review something, it's hard because they aren't being vulnerable in the same way as you are. So I think my advice is always find someone. Of course, obviously spending money is is one way to kind of lean into that and make yourself accountable. But, f- but find peers, f- find find people who are also doing similar things to you. It is amazing what you can do for each other. I agree 100%. And I knew you were my homeboy. I knew we were dear friends. When I, I had something I needed to finish years ago in New York City, and I remember being at a restaurant or a bar with Bassam. And you know what happens? You have a drink. You say you're going to have just one drink, and then you're about to leave to go do what you have to do, which I was going to do. But then the guys, the people you're hanging out with say, oh, come on, have one more. And I'll never forget that moment, Bassam, when you saw me about to to melt and change my mind and have one more beer, which probably would have meant three beers total. And you looked at me and said, hey, man, you can go. You don't owe these people absolutely anything. Are they going to finish that project that you say is important? And in that moment, that, that was just a poignant moment for me that, you know, of course, I think started to build our amazing friendship, different things we've done across the planet together. Just having someone like that in your life is key. And I just want to add on to what you said is that, you know, in my book, Stop Living on Autopilot, I talk about the importance of building your team and surrounding yourself with, with allies. To reiterate what Bassam just said, one thing I want you to know is that these folks, these men and women that will be on your team, that will support you, that will provide accountability they are not always going to be your best friends. These aren't always going to be people that you kick it with or even talk to every week or every month. But when it comes down to it, they got your back and you got their back. And maybe even lastly, Bassam, you could talk briefly about what you do with your program called Magnet that you've done virtually, but you've also done in person. Maybe folks listening uh, will get some inspiration to do something for themselves similar. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And one thing before I talk about Magnet, I want to let people know who listen to this is that Antonio and I leave each other voice notes, if not every day, every other day. And I want everyone to know that whatever it looks like our success might seem publicly, I doubt myself all the time <laughs> and I can lean on Antonio. And I know I can be honest with Antonio and and share with him some things. And I'm like, man, why am I struggling with this? Like, what what what's going on? Why am I? And he's going to give me some honest feedback because I know he too is also in that grind. And that's what you do for each other, right? You you are each other's kind of kind of um, cradle at times and a nudge in the back when needed. So again, I just wanted to say that accountability is always needed. But magnet, what, what I tried to create with magnet, it's a networking event where I think we always 
everyone at any networking event always needs something, right? But we're afraid to ask, right? It's after work. And I mean, obviously with the pandemic, this hasn't happened in a while, but you're spending time at something and, you know, you're meeting people and you're afraid to ask, you know, what is it that you want? Or here's what I'm looking for. Because you can't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, here's what I need. Can you help? Right? That doesn't work. What Magnet did is it, it asked everyone to be vulnerable first. So to come to Magnet, you had to have a need or an ask, such as, does anyone know anyone who, right? Does anyone know anyone who edits? Does anyone know anyone who could connect me? So-and-so. Does anyone know anyone? That's kind of, it doesn't have to be asked in that way. And then this is printed out. You write it and it is on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And so Bassam would be, I'd be number one. I'd write my question and I'd have a name tag that says Bassam number one. 30 to 50 people come and then your job as a guest is to walk around the room and see who you could help. See, see whose question you might go, hey, I might not be able to help, but I might know somebody who could, right? It's not who you know, it's who you know knows. And then so I would write my name and number on a post-it and slap it on their question. And then this magic of connection happens. And the reason why Magnet has taken off and done so well is because everyone is vulnerable together. We are yeah. all admitting that we don't have it figured out and we need some help. And we love giving help. The, mo- the, the number one thing people say at Magnet they're like, yeah, I got an answer to my thing, but I didn't even care. I was able to help three other people. They they get more buoyant after being useful, at, you know, b- being needed, being someone who could who could connect somebody else. So, you know, it's very easy to to mimic at at, at home, right, with friends or, or colleagues. Hey, we're all going to come here. We're all going to have an ask that that we need. Maybe it's a personal ask or, or or a professional ask, and it is just amazing how people lean in when you just admit you need some help. I agree 100%. And a good reminder is don't forget, people, breakthroughs can come. Your own personal breakthroughs can come when you're actually helping someone else. But Sam, I think this is a great place to leave this conversation. I love it. I've been smiling over here. I'm going to leave you some voice notes later on today. In the show notes, everyone, I'm going to leave links to where you can learn more about Basam's course, Ready, Set, Finish, his books, and find him on uh, online. Uh, but you know, I can see a lot of Basam online. You know why? Because he's busy finishing stuff, making things happen. Basam, any final words? No, I appreciate that. I, I, you know, The thing that we said today is do less than you're capable of. Set a timer for 30 minutes and just do. Don't judge yourself on what you think it's going to be. Just give yourself permission to explore. You don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the day. Point yourself in a cardinal direction and paddle. What the what the tides and the currents and the winds do after that, that's not in our control. But that's where the fun is. That's where life is. That's where our stories are. Sounds like Basam just told all of y'all to be an adult. I love it. Thanks, Basam. We'll do this again soon. I appreciate you always, Antonio. We'll chat soon. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Antonio Nev Show. I know you just love that conversation with Basam Tarazi. For more information, just head on over to my website at theantonionevs.com. Hey, if you still haven't followed the Antonio Nev Show or left a review just yet, please do so right now. This is how we continue to spread the word so people can hear it far and wide. Okay, I will see you back here next week with another great episode. In the meantime, remember the best is ahead. When you work and believe that the best is ahead, things begin to change for the better. Never forget you have a say in this.